Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. We're on. Oh, we're here in the Austin studio. Oh my god, it's a different Austin studio than last year's Austin studio. I but. know. And we um, tried to start recording about two hours ago, <laughs> yep. but instead we just sat here with the headsets on and talked to each other <laughs> two hours because well, we haven't seen each other for like a month. <laughs> well, you had your headset on. I just talked to you with your headset on. I know. And we should have uh, maybe turned the mic on. I know. I hate it when it's so long when we don't get to see each other. I know. But <laughs> you have been in Wyoming. Yeah. Amazing fun times. Oh my God. I loved your story. We'll have to talk about that. Well, actually, you know what? Just tell the people. What have you been doing in Wyoming? Well, I have become the mayor of Wyoming, basically. The first lady of Cheyenne. <laughs> yes. So I've been doing a lot of networking in Cheyenne. It's, there's not a lot to do there. So Jeff and I made it a point. We're like, okay, we need to meet the people of the people of meet Wyoming. And it it happened really quickly because there's not a lot of people there. <laughs> so, you know, there's like a few main bars. There's really two. There's one called the Met. The Met. I think it's the Metropolitan. People call it the Met. Uh, and then there's the Paramount Cafe Ballroom. And we go there like every night to drink and nobody's there except us. So we become really good friends with the bartenders. And um, it's where Jeff's office is, is right across from what they call the Depot. And it's like they have events every Friday. And so we'll just sit in the office window and watch these events. But there's just not, I mean, I think they're trying really hard. The are people they? of Cheyenne are trying to bring it up. So I think they're trying to make it more like in Austin or more like a Nashville or something. So they're trying to bring music and trying to bring a scene, but it's small. And so, and I was trying to think if I were to make a, how do you make a city a city? I don't know. I don't I know mean, what you bring. you plan events for sure. Yeah. But it's funny because... You, I know that you do tend towards a little bit towards introversion, uh-huh. but you um, also love networking. And if you've ever been to an event with Danny J, you will see someone like have her over in the corner, like <laughs> spilling their darkest secrets to her. Like yeah. people just always feel connected to you. So I love that you were like, we need to meet the people. Let's go to the local bar. Yes. And like, that's where everyone's at. And yeah. you talk to the bartender and they kind of know what's going on too. Oh yeah. The bartenders tell us all the dirt. We've no ever, not the dirt, but everybody knows every, it's because small towns and yeah. I've never grew up in a small town. So literally everybody knows everyone so I got my hair done by a gal who happened to be one of Jill's clients oh yeah she reached out to me shout, shout out, out Sierra yeah shout out Sierra and so Sierra connected me to this nail girl named Jenna and then Jenna connected me to someone else and suddenly everybody's connected and everyone knows each other and now I feel like I literally know all the people of the people that there is to know in Cheyenne yep. so I like it it's kind of fun it's I it's interesting to be a big fish in a small town it's different being in LA where you're like the nobody smallest to small fish in a big town. So it's a different change of pace. And I can see how you can, uh, and this is just like, just FYI to all the people out there who feel like they're in a small town, they can't make it big. Like that's ideal, freaking ideal. What would you do? Like, okay, let's talk about that really quick. Like, so let's just say that there's someone listening who you know, wants to, we you know we talk sometimes about online business, wants to maybe start building a reputation for themselves, maybe as a trainer or a health coach in their local area. 
what would you do? Like, what would you do to start establishing yourself? Like, I know what I would do, but what would you do? Well, first off, I would just like claim it. Yes. That's <laughs> I, what I was think say mentally you just claim it like you're the one, be the one, be the one people come to. Um, try to get press if you can. I noticed like in these smaller towns, they need stories. Like there's this little newspaper and I was like, I'm going to get on the cover of this newspaper. Like the next time I'm around here, I go, I don't know how I might be getting arrested, but I'll be on the cover of the newspaper. Um, so getting like local press, getting people to see you as the expert speaking at little events, there's, there's all kinds of things. I think, um, I think starting off just claiming it is a big thing. And and also to this point about an online business, I think it has to start in person. I think yep. you have to start locally. Agree. I would really challenge anybody to start with their local people, start with the people in person. It's way easier, I think, to start that way than to just get online and be shouting to the abyss at nobody. I don't know. I would totally, uh, I think local press for sure. Mm -hmm. I think it'd probably be easy to get on local news as their like go-to fitness or health expert. You know, and if you're listening to this and you're like, you don't know, it is hard, whatever. And like, you've tried, I get that. But I would also, like you said, I would claim it. I think there's something about, I would bump my prices. I would definitely be like the most expensive trainer or health coach in the area. Um, I would also host a ton of free events Mm -hmm. where I was speaking and could be seen as an expert and an authority. Uh, And I'd do that for free. And I'd like, you know, promote it a word of mouth. I'd, I'd host people at my home. I'd host people at like my, you know, garage gym at local like grocery stores. I'd have, I'd be collecting emails. I'd be emailing out. I'd be on social media. And if I was doing local events, you believe me, I'd be taking videos and photos and putting those shits right up online to leverage the fact that like, okay, I'm a big fucking deal. Right. And so you have, so at the beginning, and this is kind of related to what we're going to talk about today, especially at the beginning, there is something about perception. Yeah. You need to be the one, even though, so you said you just claim it. Yep. What if you, Danny, aren't the best trainer in the town? How do you know? What's the rating? <laughs> Who's rating? Right? Yeah. I've seen all these things like best restaurant in Las Vegas. Like who, who said you were the best right. restaurant? I mean. I dub you. Where best <laughs> podcaster yeah, in Cheyenne. We're, hey, we are the best. This is the best female entrepreneur business podcast on the internet. Yep. I'm just saying it yep. is. It is. And <laughs> no, I mean, what if you aren't? I mean, what? Yeah. You I mean, can, what metric is it? You know, that's, I guess, the, the thing is like who who decides what's the best. You could decide you're the best at a very specific thing. And that way you don't feel like you're maybe pushing over your peers. Maybe you could say, I'm the best trainer for postpartum women or something like that, I guess. Then, you, then maybe you don't feel like such a fraud. But I think you can just claim it. And this actually is such a perfect tie into what yep. we're talking today because it is kind of how it starts is perception. Yep. I love it because I just actually made a note when you were talking about that because how many people, especially on like their Instagram handle, have like number one best-selling author? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's start there. (laughs) Let's just actually start there. So anyway, to give you guys an overview of what we're talking about today, Danny and I were sitting here and we're like, you know what? There's a lot of smoke and mirrors that happen in the online internet business business. And so whether you're following, you know, someone on Instagram who has hundreds of thousands of followers or, you know, someone locally who you look up to or mentor or whatever, if you feel like maybe there's someone whose life that you feel is aspirational or um, you just really like their content or you really relate to them on the internet, maybe you don't know them. We have been to a lot of events in the industry. We have a lot of connections and friends in the industry that we really respect and who are very successful, actually successful, but we know a lot who are not as successful as maybe they would want you to think. Yeah. 
And so we're going to talk a little bit about perception today. We're going to pull back the curtain on some of these like influencers and share with you guys some of the things that happen behind the scenes that maybe you don't know. So we'll just start with the, Am- with the Amazon number one bestseller. Well, number one bestseller. Yeah. Number one bestseller, right? So it doesn't need necessarily be Amazon. Yeah. So if you go to someone's page and they say number one bestselling author or bestselling author, I'll give you an example of how something like this can be manufactured and why technically it's not a A lie. lie. (laughs) Okay. So for example, say I write an ebook, right? And I I self-publish. So literally, if anyone's wondering what an ebook is, you literally just open up a Word document, you write a bunch of shit and you save it as a PDF. You have an ebook now, right? That's an ebook. And so you can upload it to Kindle, which is Amazon's like, you know, uh, ebook reader or whatever. Uh, and that takes a little bit of cash, but once you do, you can put it on there for as much as you want. And, and typically we think about eBooks in the, the range of like anywhere from like 99 cents up to maybe $20 or something like that, but it's a digital book. Yep. And a lot of us are reading on iPads and tablets and stuff like that. So for you, a lot of times, if you're an author, you self-publish, that's fine. Not everyone can get a book deal, but what happens is when they launch, they make the book free. Mm-hmm. So they'll go, okay, you guys, I just launched my book. And for the next 24 hours, next 48 hours, next, next 72 hours, my book is free on Amazon. You know, and the perception of like, oh my God, it's on Amazon. It must be a legit book. And yep. by the way, it is a legit book, but it's also self-published. Yep. They'll make it free for like 72 hours or a week. And what they'll do is they'll push a ton of traffic and they'll get a whole bunch of downloads of the dollar, the the book that costs zero dollars. And what Amazon looks at is they look at within that 24 hour period, how many downloads a book has and a, a digital download has. And they'll push you up in the Amazon rankings for a specific category over that time period. So if I have a little bit of a falling online, I can send everyone to go download my book for 24 hours for $0. And because of all those downloads, Amazon processes it as like, okay, this book is really doing well. And it will show in the rankings on Amazon that it is at the number one spot in that uh, category. Maybe it's business, personal development, mindset. They, and also the categories can be very niche. I was going to say, very su- a lot of them are very subcategories. It's like business dash spirituality dash, <laughs> dash uh, underwater basket weaving dash. Yeah, they're super niche these categories super niche but here's what you can do when amazon shows that you can take a screenshot of that in that moment literally you could be in the number one spot for an hour yeah you could only be in the number one spot for an hour but you hit so, it so technically it's not a lie because you did have the number one spot on a very niche list for an hour, one day. Yep. And you take a screenshot of that shit and you put it up on social media and you're like, I'm a number one bestseller. Meanwhile, you go back two hours later and you're nowhere to be found. Sure. Right? And so that's a specific way. And so there's a lot of nuance here. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to say that because technically it's true. You know, so for me to say I'm a uh, fitness cover model, that would be true technically because I've done a bunch of covers and you've done covers. Mm -hmm. Like both of us do have covers. But I'm not really. Like, to me, to sell myself as that would be misleading in a way. Even though it's technically true, that shit was 10 years ago. Right. So that's kind of what some of these things get massaged as. Yeah. And it's... uh, it. Back to the thing about being... Per- about perception. It is about perception. So people do this with their podcasts, too. And, you know, we tried. It's so funny. We, 
we know there are strategies on like how to get a bunch of downloads and how to get a bunch of uh, reviews in the first week or whatever. And funny enough, um, I guess I just thought maybe iTunes would let you know, but they don't. You have to check every day. So we maybe hit some lists, but I have we didn't know how to check for things. But there really is, um, there's these lists that go up and down every single day. Like there's downloads every single day. You could see the, the most popular podcasts of the day, of the week, of the, the month, of the year. They go up and down all the time, but it's a moment in time where you can literally push a bunch of traffic, get a screenshot. And what that does is to maybe somebody brand new who comes across you, they're like, oh, these people are, or this person is really legit. And they may be, but the other side is they may not be. They may be using these strategies instead of actually having something really good and relevant. So we just want to talk about this and bring this up because a lot of times we're following people online who we think are maybe like really smart and they have a lot of th- good things to say and yet they're maybe not so integrous and maybe they're just stealing a lot of their content or maybe they bought their followers or fans. And so we wanted to share some of the things we've seen over the last few years so you can maybe keep your eyes more open and yep. then we'll even be and then just honest ask yourself about- like if you're following someone like maybe go through your followers list and be like yeah am I following that person because they have a big following right. so social proof is real so you know one of the strategies I can just be super honest one of the strategies that I used especially on Twitter early on I've been very open about this in my business teachings when Twitter was like kind of first ramping up I kind of didn't get the platform for a while. And then all of a sudden I really got it and I started loving it. And between the years, I don't know, probably between 2012 and 2014, 2011, 2014, I was tweeting all the time. I was probably tweeting 30 to 50 times a day and I was being a broadcaster. So I was out there and I was just doing these like little like sound bites, all these little like uh, high information tweets and a lot of them were getting retweeted. And I built my following organically on Twitter at a time when like there wasn't all that many fitness people with huge Twitter followings, I saw it as an opportunity for me to, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a business card, right? So for example, I was able to connect with authors, other peers in the industry. People had a lot more clout than I did because if I reached out with them on Twitter, what's the first thing that they did? Looked they went followers. and looked at my mm-hmm. account, right? They wanted to see, okay, what's my follower to following ratio? Yep. And it was big at the time. And by the way, like I did grow it organically. I've never bought followers on Instagram either. But when I did, it was it just gave me an in, right? It made me seem like I was somebody in a sea of just everyone's a personal trainer. Everyone's the exact same. Everyone has the same certifications. But because I spent, and by the way, you guys spent a lot of time on Twitter building that. So it wasn't like I bought followers. And it was valid because there were real followers, but that was a way that I could create and generate a level of social proof so that it would be easier for new people to want to follow me. It's it's interesting. Back in the Twitter days, I remember the first time I found out that people could buy followers. I was so shocked. Like now it doesn't surprise me one bit. I'll look at an account and I could tell if they've bought followers or not. How can you tell? A lot of times you can tell because they're follow... Well, couple of things. Um, I actually was helping my old tattoo artist recently. He called me in a panic because he bought followers. He got up to 20,000, but they were all like from uh, India and Pakistan and like all these third world countries. So they didn't speak English. They weren't leaving any comments. So he would post a picture and he'd have like 30 likes, but he had 20,000 followers. Mm. And so that's one thing. Um, The algorithm has changed. So sometimes that 
can be a little tricky. Like it doesn't seem to totally match, but that's one thing. There can also be like a lot of really weird comments, like just very general vague comments. They're like bots. It'll be like, good job, thumbs up. And you're like, this has nothing to do with the post. (laughs) So I don't know. Another thing is, I I know we've noticed this kind of thing on certain people's accounts where they'll post a picture and within about five minutes, they have like a thousand of them. Yeah, a thousand likes. So that's actually a new strategy that people are using because the algorithm, so just to give you guys a a hint, and some of you guys might know this, the way that uh, Instagram specifically works is if a post gets a lot of early traction within the first, like I would say 20 to 30 minutes, if there's a good amount of likes, comments, engagement, saves, shares, et cetera, Instagram will see that post as more relevant and it will show in the feed more. So it's basically, it rewards early engagement. So that's why, for example, one of the tactics that I use is I, whenever I post, I never post if I don't have at least 20 to 30 minutes to hang out and respond to comments on the post. So for me, I realized that having comments, and that's why we do calls to action, like mm-hmm. drop an emoji below or, you know, share this if you, you know, tell me if you think, if you agree or not. Like when we have these calls to action for people to say stuff in the comments, it does actually generate more engagement. And so I always make sure to stay around and answer all of the, not only because I want people to feel seen, but I also do want to bump the traction up on that post organically. Yep. And then Instagram will say, oh, this post must be relevant. I'm going to show it to even more people. But here's the problem. If a post doesn't do well quickly, then it will kind of just get totally, it will just go into the graveyard of posts, right? And if it gets early traction, there's much more likelihood that it will go into the Explorer tab and things like that. So what a lot of people have been doing is they're buying likes right away. Yeah. So they're saying, and they're saying, well, I want to buy some likes just so that the people who are following me can see my post because even the people following me now aren't even seeing my post. Like for example, only 10% of your followers really are seeing your post. 10% if you're lucky. If you're lucky. My uh, Facebook page probably has 0.01% now. It's so bad. It's like, I just don't even bother going over there anymore. Yeah. But But it's happening across the board too. Yeah. You can, you can buy likes. So you can buy followers. You can buy likes, meaning just likes on a post. So they might not even be following you. Um, there's bots and softwares that do this. There's literally these fake accounts that are set up and somehow there's some softwares that just go through and like all these things. And it's really easy to do. And I remember the first time there was a, when I, like influencer marketing just was very, very new, 2011, 12, 13. And so there were new um, companies that would come out and they were matching brands with influencers. So they were looking for maybe a fitness influencer to work with like say Reebok or something like that. And they would want to know what is your, how many followers do you have? And I remember there was a girl who had ton of followers on Twitter. And so I followed her because I thought she was legit. And I found out that she bought her followers. And I remember being like, so taken aback and shocked and and, duped. and upset and hurt. Like I worked so hard for mine and you just bought yours. And then it made me upset because she was getting paid gigs with brands that I was getting passed over for simply from her numbers, but she had zero engagement. And that's the other thing is yep. She would make a tweet, nobody would retweet it, nobody would comment because they were all fake followers. And mine, I would have tons of comments, tons of retweets, tons of interaction, but it didn't matter because the brands were simply looking at numbers. And I think brands have gotten smarter too. 
to where they want to yes. see more engagement. Yes. Um, I've been looking for podcast sponsors recently. And so I've had some conversations with people and they're actually asking about my engagement, which awesome. I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, versus, engagement is always so high. Yeah. Versus just the simple downloads. They actually asked about our Facebook group engagement too, oh. which I didn't know there were stats in there. And now that's new, but oh, cool. so I remember being just flabbergasted. And I was like, I'll never do that. But I did learn, and I'll tell you guys some of the ways that I started hacking the system on Instagram. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I was like, how can I try to build this? Because I was kind of late to the game on Instagram. Um, I was so focused on Facebook and I had an Android. And so like Instagram was really glitchy with it for a while. But one thing I learned was like, you can follow. So here was something that I did and I'm not super proud of it, but I'm not embarrassed of it either. I would go to somebody whose audience that maybe I think other people would follow. So let's just say Jill fit. Like I think people who follow Jill would also love to follow me. And I would go through Jill's followers list and follow the people that were following her in hopes that they would look at my stuff and follow me back. And so there are bots that do that kind of thing that they'll do the follow unfollow. So they'll follow, you can give them a list of people to follow. Like maybe I want to follow Shalene Johnson or Tony Robbins. They'll follow all of those people and then they give it a time frame, maybe 24 or 48 hours. And if those people don't follow you back, then they unfollow because they want to keep the follower to follow ratio low. Meaning if you are following 10,000 people and 10,000 people are following you, it doesn't look as good. Like you right. don't look as popular. Sure. You're like, oh, of course you have 10,000 because you're following 10. But if you're following 10,000, if you're following 500 people and 10,000 people are following you, the perception is, ooh, she's really cool. I don't know. Yeah. Cool is the word. And but. so really what it comes down to is follow people who have great content. Don't just follow someone because they have a big following mm -hmm. and assume that they have great content because they have a big following. That's really what social proof is all about. It's going, oh, well, everyone else likes this. So I probably should like this too because obviously there's somebody because all these people follow. So I think if you can evaluate, I know it sounds like so just self-evident, like of course, follow the people whose content you like. I don't care if they have 200 followers, but like if they have great content, follow them. Yeah. You know, but it's hard too because on the other side of it, you and I both know that it's kind of like what's what comes first, <laughs> like the chicken or the egg. You're like, okay, I want to work with brands, but they want to see that I have a following, so I need to get a following. But people aren't following me, so it's just this yep. it's this tricky thing, and it's it starts to get into a weird place of like where where do you draw the line on your integrity and what do you think is okay? And I'm not saying that any of these are right or wrong, but I just want you guys like we want yes. you to know yeah. what is out there and yep. what people have done or that, that they do because it is important to know where I think it's just important to know I if somebody bought 2 million followers and you're like, I, I've seen big, big accounts like that, like with over a million and I'm looking through their posts and I'm like, how did these, like, what did they do? And I'm going back through the timeline and it's like all of a sudden I see a jump. That's also something that stands out to me of, Hmm. Either they did something like viral mm -hmm. somewhere that I don't know mm -hmm. about, or they just decided to throw a bunch of money into this. And so like, I think that's what happened with Janet Kutcher, right? Like she was an example of somebody who she wrote that post mm, about like her husband. She, yeah. Her husband has like a six pack or something, yeah. you know, and she just has like a normal body and he's like super ripped. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, people always wonder why. And it just like wonder why, like, how do you, like, why is your husband? He's so fit. Why is he with you? Yeah. And she just wrote about that and it yeah. just like went viral. Yep. She was on like Good Morning America about it. It was just like a really good topic. Same thing happened with Molly Galbraith a few years ago yep. when she had a post on, um, 
you know, like this is my body and a personal trainer. And she wasn't like shredded to death. Right. And there was like this thing about like being unapologetic. It was just like the right timing, right post, right person, right message. And it goes viral. And all of a sudden, literally you can gain tens of thousands of followers literally overnight. overnight. But my question to you is, are they quality followers? Mm, mm-hmm. Cause they just know they just met you. I have this conversation with my girls all the time. I'm like, you can get, you can pay for ads. And I do this all the time. So one of the things I do pay for is, um, Instagram and Facebook ads, especially if I'm doing a freebie, like for example, for physique week, I'll just be super transparent with you guys for physique week. We had, I think about 5,500 people in the challenge of those 5,500, 2,400, were brand new people to me. Mm-hmm. So they were brand new. They were like cold leads. They're real people. They weren't like bots or anything. They were actually real people, but they had just been introduced to me and they were introduced to me through Physique Week. The way I see that is, okay, I just paid money to get these brand new subscribers. Now it's on me to keep them, right? I see get, giving someone an email address, like me getting their email address. It's like we're on a first date, right? Like they're going to check me out. They're going to see what's all about. They may or may not do physique week. They may or may not like the workouts. They may or may not like me, but I got my foot in the door and now it's up to me to continue that relationship and give them amazing value and keep having that conversation and take them on a second date, third date, whatever. That's on me. Yep. So, but they're not ready to buy from me yet right? They're not customers yet. They're brand new to me. So when someone has a post that goes viral and they get a shitload of followers overnight, it's great, but they still, there's no relationship yet, right? There's no, like if someone follows you on Instagram, that's a first date. They can unfollow. It's up to you to keep them as a relationship. I have girls right now in my mastermind, like uh, a couple in particular who have maybe a thousand followers on Instagram and they're on par to make six figures this year on internet business because they're focused on relationships. They're focused on high quality uh, conversations. They're having DM conversations. They're making people feel really um, included and feeling seen and feeling heard. And they're turning those into customers. They're not looking at trying to get to a hundred thousand followers. And on the flip side, we know plenty of people (laughs) who have a million followers literally a million and are making no money yeah well you made a good point about the going viral um and are they good quality leads because the sweaty betty's page we had a couple of viral posts it was insane i remember just watching it just kept refreshing and it was like a million reach and then it was six million reach and it was like the first time we went viral it was this silly post about sugar and it really had nothing to do with anything. It was just kind of a, something we found on the internet and reposted. It wasn't even something we created, but we got so many followers out of it. But that didn't instantly equate to anything because people didn't know who we were. They just saw a cool meme and they liked the page. And then I started to, so Facebook over the years has changed a lot. And for a short time, maybe about six months they started doing this thing where if you liked a page, then they would say, if you like this page, you may also like these pages and show suggestions. And I think they do this on Instagram too. If you like a page, sometimes like four ones like Mm -hmm. pop up. Cause I know Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll like a page. Uh, If you like the best life, probably Jill and I pop up on the bottom or vice versa. So for some reason, the sweaty buddies kept popping up in a lot of people's. So it was interesting because I was on HuffPost Live uh, this particular morning, it was September, September 15th. I remember cause it was my anniversary and I had to like kind of cut our date early to be on Huffington post live. And that day my page started growing like crazy. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, this is from Huff post, but it kept going. And every single day I was getting like 1500, 2000, 3000 people a day. And I was like, no, this can't keep going from the Huff post live. Cause that was a few days ago and just was growing and growing and growing. And literally I remember we were 
really close to 40,000 followers and we're trying to just hit that 40,000 mark. And suddenly we were like 80,000 within two weeks and we had doubled. And I was like, what is this coming from? It's definitely not from HuffPost Live because it's been too long. And I just started posting. I was like, hey, where are you guys coming from? And they said, oh, you are a suggested page. So I was like blessed by the algorithm for a short amount of time. So I got a lot of followers organically, I want to say, but it wasn't really it was organically, but not because, didn't because pay for anything. yeah, I didn't pay for anything. It's just, they came because there was some shift, but then it stopped about March. So that was September about March, the next year, it completely stopped. And then suddenly massive plateau. And it was like just pulling teeth to get any new follower. And same thing has happened with Instagram. Yeah. Um, it used to be a lot easier. I was trying a lot of things. I was getting followers. And then probably two years ago, I you guys, I've barely grown over 200 followers in the last two years. Like it has just been slow and painful. So it's just to say that you can be in the right place at the right time, but just because you are doesn't mean that that's turning into customers because all right. of those people, that 40,000 to 80,000, and then it went over 100, and then it went over 200,000, those didn't all turn to customers. A lot of them were just random people. I started getting weird porn on the page. And it was like, <laughs> it wasn't even good, you know, good leads, um, but it can happen. So you do have to be aware of just, just because a page has a lot you get in that comparison trap of like, man, they have so many more. And if I had that many, then I would be doing better. And it's not the truth. It's not how it works. No, it's not. You know, it's interesting and related to that. And I definitely want to make this, you know, on Instagram, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to grow. First of all, just so everyone knows, only about 2% of accounts on Instagram are actively growing organically at this point. So that 2% are actually growing. So with that being said, in fact, a lot of accounts that have large followings are losing followers actually thousands of followers a day, by the way. So a couple of years ago, a lot of people took up this like green check mark, red X infographic thing in the fitness space. Remember these? Like, mm-hmm. do, don't do these, do these, right? It's like, don't eat this, eat that, right? And now infographics on Instagram are really big. They're really easily shared. They're very like succinct. They're soundbitey. And a lot of accounts grew very quickly the problem, and I actually coach some people who have these accounts and they've grown significant followings, no one knows who's behind the account. Yeah. They love the information. They come for the information, but they don't feel connected to the page. We were actually just talking about this yeah. before we put the mics on. Um, I just started following this meme account the other day. Um, it's about dating or something for the best life. And the owner of the meme account <laughs> messaged me and goes, Hey, Jill, I really like what your account, I really like your account. I'm going to be in SoCal next month. We should meet up. And I just wrote back, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, are you? I'm literally like, are you a dude? Are you a chick? Are you, who are you? Right? Like you just don't know. And so a lot of people have grown Are you my dad? (laughs) I'm dad. Uh, I mean, you could be. So these like, so these gimmicky type things while they might grow your page to a certain platform, it's then your job to pull the mask off and like show yourself and be like, okay, this is who I actually am. Because remember, people connect with people. People buy coaches, not coaching. So really it comes down to, are you making that connection? Are you making that human to human connection, that personal connection? You can have all the followers you want and it looks really good. You might get more followers as a result of the social proof, but are you turning those people into genuine relationships, conversations, and eventually customers, if that's your goal? Yep. So let's dive into the next piece, which is, so first we get past the numbers. Next, let's pull back the like illusion of, of lifestyle. Ooh. 
So I was in network marketing um, for a number of years and I love the business model. I was super anti for a long time. I think a lot of us have been like approached by somebody who, you know, invites you over to a party and then they're like, join my business and it's awkward and weird. And so I had a lot of those um, experiences. And so for good reason, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But then I was introduced to it in another way where I can see that it can be done with integrity. But there are a lot of things that are taught in network marketing and internet business and these are both very similar, that um, are, they're, they're just perception issues. Yep. So one of the things in my company was that when you hit a certain rank, you could earn a car, a Lexus. Um, and so obviously, lots of people who join this company, like these people have car uh, payments, maybe like at the time I had literally no car that was working. And so that was super enticing to me to get a free car. And they yeah. tapped like, you're going to get your free Lexus. I'm like, hell yeah. I've never had a car that nice in my life. And I did earn the Lexus, but they didn't just show up with a car and put a bow on it. And like, here's your free Lexus, your $60,000, $70,000 car. What would happen is you would have to hit a certain rank, meaning that you had to make a certain number of sales per month. So for that particular company, I had to make $15,000 in sales every single month to qualify to earn the Lexus payment up to $500 a month. So I had to go to the Lexus dealership, pick out any car I wanted. That was the truth. I could pick out any Lexus I wanted, but... Whatever the payment was, if the payment was $750, I would get from the company $500 and then it was on me to cover that extra $250 a month. So it's a little deceiving when you're like, look, I won my car, I got my Lexus. Well, yes, kind of. I have to make sure that every single month I'm selling at least $15,000 a month to make sure that to, so that I will earn that payment. So they would, otherwise it's in your name and you're responsible. It's in my name. I'm responsible. It's not in the company's name. And it's, so what I did was a lease. Um, you could have purchased, you could have purchased lease. You ha- there were a lot of rules around it. Like you had to get a 2011 or newer because the image you had to, um, get only white, silver or gray. I want to say, so there was a lot of image around it. And then of course they want you to get the car. And I remember even saying like, Hey, can I just get the money instead of the car? And they're like, no, <laughs> the point is for you to get the car. And the other point is for you to show that you have, because it creates belief in other people that it can be done. And so really what it's doing is creating the perception so people can go, oh my gosh, Danny didn't have a car last year. Now look, she's got a Lexus. She's driving around. Holy crap, this stuff works. And the truth is it did and it does. But the part that you don't see is that I had to maintain that every single month in order to earn my payment for that car. And so it wasn't as easy as just like, here's the keys and here's a bow, which would have been nice because I would have just, obviously I would have just quit working and taken my car and been like, peace out, that was fun. And that's really the point. They don't want you to do that. Right. So in some ways it's not deceptive. I don't think it's deceptive on the company's part. Like I think it's smart for them to make you have to qualify right? because otherwise they'd have people earn up to 15,000 and then just bounce. And that's Obviously, they're not making their return on investment if they're buying a $60,000 car and you only brought in fifteen. But on the outside looking in, you're on social media, you're scrolling and you're like, oh my gosh, there's Sally. She just has a brand new Lexus. How does she do that? Like she works at the school in the office. Like there's no way she can afford a Lexus. So let me DM her, Sally, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I have this little side gig. You should find out about it. So it works. But it is just important to know that it's not exactly how it looks. <laughs> and there's another, um, I had a girlfriend who's in a, another 
network marketing company and their car is a Mercedes. And she did earn her Mercedes, but she posted a picture of herself on Instagram standing next to a smart car and then like a side-by-side of like a before and after kind of thing. And then the other standing next to a Mercedes G-Wagon. And so she didn't say that that was her G-Wagon, but it was this inference that she earned the G-Wagon. No, she did have a Mercedes. It was just like a whatever, C-level or it was a sedan. sedan. Right. Um, so she did earn the car, but the post without specifying, so it wasn't lying, but if you're just scrolling and you're like, wow, before and after, look, she went from a smart car to a G wagon. What is this about? It's really this interesting way of where people aren't totally deceiving, but they're not telling the full truth or they're making it look a little bit different than it is. Like if you just happen to be renting a, a Mercedes and you're like, Hey guys, I've seen this too, where people like they post the picture of their manicure. I'm doing the, the quotes, their manicure, but it's like you see the steering wheel behind them and you see the emblem of the Audi or the, the, the Mercedes or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, we're really looking at your manicure. Obviously not. <laughs> we're looking at your big rock. Yeah. But I think there's this thing of we're portraying this idea of success. Yeah. If you drive a Lexus, a Mercedes, an Audi, a Ferrari, whatever, like you drive a luxury car, then you are successful. And so you're trying to make people jealous or trying to look aspirational or trying to make people curious to ask what you're doing and to create more business. So it's kind of like the social proof thing as well. It's like, look, I'm successful and success attracts more success, I really believe. And so it is this like, it's a weird way of showing it. And like I said, it works and it's not completely deceitful, but it's also not the whole truth. So what would be your tip or takeaway for someone listening who's like, okay, fuck, I feel like I'm constantly now being duped or, or at least not seeing the full truth. How does someone look at it with a critical eye? Well, and does it take away from the value of the person? Like to me, I'm just like, there's still value. Like, so for example, you know, if someone looked at you and saw that you had a Lexus as a result of earning $15,000 a month, that's still valid. Like I still am like, damn, Danny's earning $15,000 a month. I want that. Mm-hmm. But what, and so obviously like just the car is the, uh, you know, it's kind of like the benchmark or it's the symbol of the success of the 15 grand, but I would still appreciate your success if I just knew that you were making $15,000 a month. I'd be like, damn, I want that. Totally. And that's true. Yeah. So it doesn't take away from your value or your success. It's just a weird way of showing it that feels kind of manipulative, even though it's not. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's tricky about that stuff for me. Even I remember even thinking, I don't really want the car. Like I would rather take the cash. Yeah. I'd rather take the cash, pay off some bills and stuff like that. (laughs) But also I did want the car because I needed a car, but I understood that, you know, and especially network marketing, they want you to be a leader and they want you to duplicate. So if you get the car, then that means your team's going to get the car. And if your team gets the car, then other people are going to see that. And then it's going to grow and grow and grow. But I think ultimately we just have to go, what, why are we looking at the car as the level of success? Yes. Like, is there, are their kids happy or is their marriage falling apart? Uh, do they have like eating disorders and drug addictions and all these other, like, right. if we're just looking at the one thing and saying, wow, they're really successful because they're driving a Lexus, we're missing the whole picture. That's exactly. And I love that you said that because that's like the, the next direction I want to go in, which is I think the high level thing to ask yourself is how are you measuring success? Mm -hmm. So just like a spinoff of this conversation, which happens in our space a lot, which is like the online business space, maybe not necessarily in fitness, but more in like the online business, digital business space is a lot of business coaches 
maybe only start making legitimate income once they start doing business coaching. So maybe they actually haven't had so much success. Like for example, I know both of you, you and I, we had successful health and fitness businesses first before we started doing business coaching. And I think there's something congruent about that that matters. But regardless of that, we've seen a lot of these business coaches who will, and I don't, I'd like your take on this. Is this okay? They will rent Mm -hmm. bags and designer shoes and designer bags and all this kind of stuff for photo shoots to promote their latest program to get branded photos to look as if those are their actual shoes and bags. Like, I feel like there's something wrong with this, but also is that wrong or is us going, oh, shoes and bags are the most important thing on earth. Like to me, I'd be much more likely to feel like I wanted to, uh, there was like an aspirational quality to someone who had a great relationship, who was able to travel the world. You know, I don't care how much money they're making, but they're traveling the world. They have a lifestyle that I appreciate. And so I'm not saying that bags and shoes aren't okay. If you're like, I just love that stuff. And that's what I value. But ask yourself, like, is that the measure of success? Because a lot of that stuff literally can be manufactured. Yeah. We know people who are literally buying and renting jets. You can rent a, a private jet for an hour for like $10,000 and then do a bunch of videos with it and pretend as though you own that shit, right? You can get an Uber jet for like 10 grand and fly across the country, right? And it's not that you, I mean, $10,000 is obviously a good chunk of change. Yep. So as you have to have that, but the idea that now we're, we're jumping five steps ahead to like, you own that, you have a lot of that, you're able to do that all the time. I think it's a huge disservice. It, I think so too. It makes me cringe a little bit. Uh, the first <laughs> I know your face the whole time I just told that was like Well, it's so just cringy. the first time I saw it, there was a girl I knew, um, she had these Louboutin shoes and she, uh, and a bag. I can't remember what brand. Or do you think they actually do own them? Maybe sometimes, but they're putting my credit and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think they do. And this particular girl, I said, like I knew her personally and I messaged her. I was like, oh my God, those shoes are so cute. She goes, oh, they're so-and-so's meaning she borrowed them. So they weren't even hers, but she borrowed them for the shoe. And I'm like, okay, so now thinking back, I'm like, okay, I wear a lot of your clothes all the time. So is that so wrong? But it was but I like, don't have designer shit. But it was <laughs> like, you get this at free people. <laughs> but I think it was the idea because it was purposely on display to look as if she could make enough money to be wearing those kind of shoes and like that. And it was the it was the the lifestyle shoot to make it look like. And I was like, look, bitch, I know your lifestyle. You're not wearing that stuff all the time. Like I know I've seen you without your makeup and dragging your kids around. And like in your pictures, you're stepping out with these shoes on this like expensive car. That's not yours either. And so Don't it's, you think it tr- attracts like a specific kind of yes, person. I think it's trying too? to, I think they're trying to, they're trying to attract their avatar that the person who is like looking to that lifestyle. And so part of me is like, okay, you know, your avatar, but also it's a little, it I, like, I feel like it's a little deceptive, it's a little greasy, I feel like but you know, deceptive. then on the, on the flip side, there's those, you know, uh, internet business people who show who are, are actually successful, but will literally legitimately like show their like car with like all their kids shit all over the place and yeah. be like, yo, I'm a, a mom boss, but look at what I'm driving around sure. and like, this is real shit. Yeah. I'm so much more inspired yep. by someone who can be successful while also showing their struggles. I think yep. it's important to, to show both uh, sides of the yeah. story, which is, and then also when you are viewing this as a consumer, look at it through the lens of like, what do I aspire to be yeah. like? And if you just want to fill your, you know, um, closet with Michael Kors, great. There's plenty of people who will rent shit to show, show you that maybe you can also have that. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I started to think about something else we did when we were in network marketing was 
we, my ex and I moved into an RV and we traveled around the country. And it was for a couple of reasons. A big reason was for taxes because uh, we had a big tax hit the year before because we made a lot of money. And then we had to try to figure out a big write-off. And so we bought this thing and all, all of that junk. But also it was a little strategic as well because we wanted to talk about how our business can create freedom. So many people want time freedom and they want to be able to travel when they want to. And so we're like, look, we're doing this business on the road. And so we were showing it and doing it, but also... I think we were showing it in the true way. And also our RV was a 1997, like we did a whole remodel and stuff. It wasn't this crazy thing, but I think it's, it's, there's such a fine line because you do want to show the lifestyle because it is aspirational and people do want that. And so sometimes you do want to show the shoes because some people do want that. But if you're faking it, that's where I have the issue. Like if you're renting, if you don't have it yet, or if you don't actually, that's where I'm just like, "Eh." like if I just did a two week tour in the RV. And I was like, Hey, I can do this from anywhere. Like, yeah, but I I don't know. I just have an issue with the totally faking it. Yeah, I do too. Well, you know, I hope that this was useful. (laughs) I think if anything, you know, there's a couple of takeaways I think start. So number one, I think, you know, maybe try to be a little bit of an independent thinker. So if you go to follow someone, don't just follow them because a lot of other people are following them and thinking like, oh, this must be somebody because obviously there's a lot of social proof. Did you have something you want to say? Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you, because I remember there was a time where you were a little bit um, kind of downplaying your travel. Yes. So I wanted to ask you because of this stuff, has it ever made you like A, try to show it more because you think that's what people want or B, kind of downplay it because you see other people doing it and you're like, I don't want to be like that. So a couple things happened. Number one, um, I worked my ass off to be location independent and I went 100% location independent in 2012, which was such a great feeling. Uh, it was two years after Jill Fit started. It was almost two years, about 18 months after Jill Fit started. Um, and when I say location independent, I mean, I didn't have to personal train anymore. I was totally done with that. I quit my full-time job at Wake Forest. Um, and so I literally could work from wherever and I was able to travel and stuff like that. And I remember when I started doing that, I was sharing a lot of my success uh, very openly online. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I just quit my job. I'm doing this. And like, it felt really, and, and by the way, like my readership at Jillfit was all like included in it. We were all kind of together and it felt really uh, fun to grow together. And we we're on this journey together. And it went into, I would say it was probably like 2014, 2015. And then in 2016, um, I was doing a ton of travel. This was the year that after the year that I left my marriage, as you guys know, I went to Italy and I went to Europe and I went to Sydney and I was doing a lot of these things basically to kind of like escape my marriage and figure out how to be alone. But also I was able to do it and I was able to do it comfortably and like stay at really nice hotels. And like, I was making a, a lot of money and it was, um, so I was sharing all of that. I was like, Oh my God, here we are. And I remember this one thing, Nagar and I were in Bali Yeah. And there was an infinity pool and we were spending a week at this like five-star resort. And by the way, this wasn't put on credit cards. Like this was all like legitimate shit. Um, And I took a picture holding up a wine glass in the infinity pool with like the jungle behind me and like a sunset. And it was just like this beautiful photo. And I was just like, wow, this is like so amazing. I get to be here. I get to have this lifestyle. I get to do this because I was really proud of how hard I worked to go from like working 70 to 80 hours a week in the gym and grinding that fucking life out to being able to work in Bali and still be able to make money. I was really proud of that. And I remember I got this comment and I, I should just get over it. It's like, I mean, I am over it, but And she just said, if I see one more 
glass of wine against a beautiful backdrop, I'm going to fucking scream. Oh, jeez. This is a random like person on the internet, sure. right, troll? Um, and she said, what about showing um, the kids waking you up at two in the morning? What about the sick kids, you know, who can't sleep? What about morning traffic getting to work at the commute? Like, and you know... I, I was like, I get it. It was really upsetting to me because I was like, wow, I thought we were like all on this thing together. We we're all getting better together and whatever. And it's fine. It's just, it is what it is. And I more just was like, I actually wrote a whole blog about this. If you guys want to, if you Google uh, Jill Coleman travel shame, it comes up on Medium. I didn't put it on Jill Fit, but it's on Medium. And it was the irony of working so hard to establish a legitimate, by the way, lifestyle of being location dependent and being able to kind of spend money in that way. And then um, feeling guilty over it and feeling like I don't want to share my success because am I being way too flashy? Am I being, uh, am I showing, am I privileged? Am I showing people, um, you know, is it, is it, has it gone beyond, gone beyond aspirational to now it's just fucking annoying and flashy sure. and like, and now I look like I'm insecure even, you know? So, yeah. and I also at the same time was like, that's not my fucking life though. Yeah. Like those are your choices. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and like, I get it, I don't want to belittle a, a, a mom who has a sick two-year-old who's waking you up in the middle of the night and you have to grind your way in traffic to your job. And I'm not saying that like, you should all do what I did. And like, I'm sure there's joys in your life that I will never understand because I don't have children and I don't have that kind of lifestyle. But that's not my, those weren't my choices. Like, that's not what I wanted. I wanted this over here and I worked really fucking hard for it. And I think the two can coexist. And so that was, it did put the brakes on things more than I really thought it did, to be honest. And so I started kind of, you know, like not sharing as much of that stuff. It was just like the last episode we talked about feeling bad for feeling good. It's like a lot of times we'll do really well and then we'll, or we'll, we start to downplay it and go, well, I worked really hard. And like, we have to explain all the reasons why we deserve it because we feel bad. Somebody else doesn't have the opportunity, which like, you know, is valid in a way. Like not everyone has access to the same resources. Like I am very fortunate, you know, and privileged in many ways. And that doesn't take away from like the hard work, but at the same time, I think, you know, I can't be responsible for someone else's, how they feel for their life because of this. And I think we're all, like you always say, we're always in charge of who we follow. Yep. So I think, and I've had to do this in some accounts because I just know personally, like some accounts that I follow, like this is all fake. Like I just know it because I just know the people. And I'm like, this is dishonest and I can't get on board with that. So I've had to like unfollow or mute because more, more so not because I'm jealous of their lifestyle, but I'm just literally like, this is fucking manufactured for the internet and I can't stand for it and I won't be part of it. And so... I think you have to have some integrity. I think you have to have some lines in the sand. You need to know yourself and you also need to know what does, what is aspirational to you, you know, and follow those kinds of accounts and then just be more of an independent thinker. I really love that. There was one more thing I actually wanted to talk about, which was the money lies. It's, uh, Mm. and they're not like, again, not lies, the seven, yeah, seven figure business. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, I have met and we've been to so many masterminds where somebody does make seven figures, but they are literally spending, they're making a million a year and they're spending a million five. They're going into debt every single month. They're not making payroll. They're not being able to make any money. Their business isn't profitable. So you, 
you guys, you guys know this yourself. You could do it at any scale. You can make 60,000 a year and be in debt. You can make 60,000 a year and be spending 75. It's the same thing on just a grander scale. You're making a million a year and you're spending a million five. Guess what? You're broke. So there are so many people who are doing these online businesses. They're like, I have a seven figure business. Great. But what does your bottom line? Yeah. What does your bottom line look like? Um, one of the things that, and I want to say that too, is a lot of people are saying they're a seven figure business because since day one, they've made seven figures. So yes. like you and I have been in this too. industry, I've been doing Jilfa for yeah. nine years. We've made multiple seven figures yeah. in, in nine years, right. but I haven't had a single year right. of seven figures. That's yet. true too. And so for me, I would never say that about myself yeah. because I didn't have one single like January 1st to December 31st of a seven figure year. Right. But a lot of people are saying they have a seven figure business because since 2010, they've made seven right, figures. Right. You're like over 20 years. I made seven you're figures. You're like, okay, I guess <laughs> that's true. I think everyone listening has made seven figures since they started working when <laughs> yeah. they were 16. Like, uh, yeah, everyone here has a seven figure income. Yeah. And that's just, that's a big thing too, that I see a lot. That's and it used to, I think we talked about when I started my, uh, when we started our masterminds, like two years ago, I was like, I have seven figure shame and I was calling it seven figure shame because I was like, I haven't made seven figures in a year. And I feel like I would see these people and they'd start posting it. And I'm like, at what? I also just, I was raised different where we, we weren't allowed to talk to money about money. So being an entrepreneur, I'm much more comfortable talking about money. And that's been a whole money mindset thing to sure. work through, which I think it's totally okay to talk about money. And when we get in these masterminds, people do talk about it way more openly, but online, it's not always the whole picture. So be careful about those kind of things too. And just, and you don't have to like be careful or unfollow, but just be aware and don't let it get to you and don't get through the comparison trap of going, oh my gosh, she said she's made multiple six figures. Like could be the same thing, multiple six figures over a decade. Sure. Like awesome. But you can make multiple six figures working at Starbucks over 10 years, you know? So I think it's just really important to not get caught up in what people are saying and focus on your own stuff. Like stay in your own lane, uh, be mindful and be aware that these illusions happen. And some of them, like we said before, they're not lies, they're but they're massaged. not. Yeah. They're massaged. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. I love this conversation. Interested in what you guys think. Um, hopefully this, I think this hopefully is going to blow your mind. It definitely has blown mine when I started learning about some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but it anyway. blew my mind. It was a, there's just certain people that I looked up to. And right. then I was like, oh, they're just like, they're just like us. You know, we've talked about that in other episodes. Like, don't put these people on pedestals. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, look at the person who you'd like to fucking hang out with. Yeah. Like, are they cool? Do you, yep. could you see yourself being friends with the person? Like, do they add value? to your life? Do they do, you know, do they make you feel seen? If you DM them on Instagram, do they respond? If you, they leave a comment, do they acknowledge you? Like, or are they constantly trying to position themselves as above you? Like, I think that's a big thing. We've talked about that in other episodes of uh, the importance of connection and being seen. Like it's called social media for a reason. It's social. And if you feel as though someone is trying to constantly, uh, you know, be seen and maybe not like really appreciate you as a follower, or if you reach out, they don't respond. Like, I'm sorry, that shit is unacceptable in 2019. It's fucking scrub status yeah so anyway be discerning be an independent thinker let us know what you guys think and that's all i got and send all of your people to our stuff to subscribe and leave a review so we can get to the top of the itunes so we can screenshot it and say that we're number one <laughs> thank you bye guys bye.